We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to jump in and reflect on and dissect and dig into our content from our February breakfast with Blake Brewer. As always, I have Mr. Matt Schrader with me, father of three, high school football coach who's a state champion, Dallas Cowboys fan, Texas Longhorns fan. Yes. Oh, this might have. Yes, yes. Come we, on, we might, we, might, we, might, we might cause some, some issues here. But uh, Matt, welcome, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you for the introduction. This is a pretty standard introduction at this point, but yeah, I enjoy being on here with you. I take a beating sometimes, but it's all right. It's for the gospel. That's what I, we're studying the Beatitudes at church. You're suffering, suffering the the mission of Christ. Suffering for Jesus just by doing this podcast with you. So uh, yeah, My, my place in heaven is moving closer and closer to the throne. Yeah, I mean, that royal crown that will be on your head is going to have a big old Evan Ruby on it, just for tolerating, you know, it. probably so big on one side of my head, I'll just kind of cock to the side all the time. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, I saw you at the Mountain Men kickoff, so yeah, it looks like yeah. you're doing Mountain Men this year, and uh, saw you at, well, I missed you at the brother, Brotherhood planning meeting, so... Uh, missed you there, but uh, All right. I had, yeah. had some other stuff going on. Got to keep the business afloat. That's the joys of entrepreneurship, right? It is. It is. Yep. I don't. I, don't, I can't. I can take lunch, but not if nobody shows up to work. <laughs> no, they can't. They can't. We just, oh, that's good. We're just slam businessmen. Yeah, the, they can't. They're good, good guys. I got good people. I don't want to shame them. That I don't think they listen to this podcast. But they probably don't. If they do, then here they go. Yeah. Well, um, it took us a little while to get this podcast together we were hoping to get Blake on the podcast I'm not saying that uh that's completely still off the table but uh we were we were trying to hold out to see if we could get schedules to align and so um we, we, we pushed it back a little bit so if you're listening to this now our March breakfast might have already happened so uh this will be coming out probably in close proximity to that so I would say get tickets it's going to be really exciting we got uh oh we got Blake right we got another Blake Blake Zimmerman. Blake. So we got, uh, yeah, we got Blake, Blake Zimmerman too. Uh, so excited to hear from him. And man, it's it's going to be good. I, I've already heard from the meeting that you weren't at that there's going to be a really good attendance again. So we had a nice little Blake Brewer bump and we're uh, we're going for the sequel. And it sounds like a lot of guys are showing up. So man, really excited about that. I didn't get a chance to go to the Legacy Letter Challenge. Uh, were you able to go to that? I'd, I'd love to, to hear if you were able to make that. Not was I able to go? I had a basketball game for my third grade child, and you know, that took precedence over the actual deal. But uh, there we we should be. Are you going to the one tonight or tomorrow night? Are you uh, attending that one? I think it's I think it's tonight. Now uh, I need to get I need to grab the link for it. I don't think so, but uh, I want to. I just need to get the link from somebody. So either way, I'll get it figured out. Uh, I I do have all intentions of writing a legacy letter because man, what a powerful message from the brotherhood! I, it's definitely different than what we've uh, experienced historically. Um, it was a little bit more. I 
I would call it like kind of TED Talk. Done. I, was same good. words I was thinking. Yeah. Very uh, yeah, TED yeah. Talky, not in a bad way, just TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. So, uh, man, Blake, he had it down. You could tell he's uh, shared that story before. It's obviously something very, very near and dear to his heart. I did, I did sense some emotions. You know, even in some of the stories still. So, he, you know, it's it's still very near and dear to his heart. Uh, and, man, how, how can it not be? I mean, thinking about the overall story of, of the origin of, of all this to where he is today. I mean, he ended it with, man, you guys are helping to uh, continue my father's legacy. And, man, that's that's just knowing everything leading up to that was like a nice little exclamation point to kind of put on on the breakfast. So. I know you're eager to jump into the content. I know it's a little bit different because it was a little bit more of a story than it was talking points, but I did I did glean some stuff, but I'm sure you got some things too. So I'll let you uh, jump right into it. What were your first impressions and uh, and what'd you think? First impression was dad was led by the Holy Spirit. Probably not. I mean, I my brain goes to like, how do I theologically dissect does God lead him in that and because he knows he's going to pass? I mean, you start getting to some deep theological waters with like, you know, God knows everything, but then we still have choice. So without navigating an opinion on that, I think there are times as a dad, as a man, as a human being, where the Holy Spirit leads you to do something and you don't realize how important it was till after you've either not done it or have done it. And when you look back, that's something my dad actually said to me when I was younger. He said, sometimes you don't know it's God till you turn around. And you realize, God, oh my gosh, it was his idea the whole time. This wasn't my idea. Like, this totally saved me. Or, oh, I should have done that. That would have been the right time. Like, nothing this crucial in my life has happened, but there are plenty of times where I did something out of obedience that was completely un... I was unaware completely of what was going to take place in the future. And it benefited me tremendously. And then there are times where I didn't do something. And God's grace is so sufficient and his mercy is so available that it didn't completely impact me in a negative way by being disobedient to the Holy Spirit that it could have. But it definitely was a moment of like, ah, I'm missing something right here because I w was not obedient to that prompting earlier. So then when I think about dad's writing his letter, I think where I come to the rest, where I don't have to answer questions about God's sovereignty and choice and free will and all that. Where I come to rest is that letter was going to impact Blake Brewer no matter what happened to his dad. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That letter was, even had he given that letter and dad letter, dad's still alive. Blake probably still has the ministry he has today. He probably still faces the things he does in college that he talked about vaguely that that letter helped him navigate. Of course, he doesn't have to deal with survivor guilt if dad doesn't pass. But there are a lot of other trappings by the enemy to get you stuck in your Christian walk or going backwards other than just the elements of grieving. So I think dad hearing the voice of God in that sense 
just it happened. It w- it made the impact it was to, it was to make, and it just so happened that the earthly circumstances are also very emotional. Yeah, I you know, that, so you're if you gotten up there and said, "Hey, it's it's really impacting you." <laughs> yeah, I'm coughing because I need some water. <laughs> All right, all right. And maybe I am. I, think, Matt, I, I can I be maybe, secure in I that. Maybe, the whole maybe I am. A bit. Your, your heart is softening. Listen, I got four boys. I said, I was listening to this podcast, and it got me uh, jerked, like emotionally jerked again, tear jerked. Yeah. You know, where you're like, oh, my kids. Ah, oh, geez, I got four of them. Oh, my gosh, and they know. Start cramping right now, oh. just thinking about writing those letters. It is, but I've already written them, so. Hey. Yeah, uh, done. Did you, did you do it because it, of this, so or had you already done I it? I have already done it. So I've done it a couple times. Um, you know, letter, I never really, I mean, letter is much bigger. That's something. Would you, I mean, what I, did you like? It's a letter. It's five, six sentences. a tweet to him and, or an X? <laughs> that day's, that day's coming with text. Uh, no, I, I just wrote him a, you know, just. There are times where I just wrote them inside a card, you know, like a bigger paragraph that I had to read to them or mom had to read to them. Or there are times I got into this thing last year or maybe a year and a half ago where I was doing like little notes in their lunchbox and I was writing little lines of those different things. I think on a group thread on you with us, I got onto a rant a bit about some of the different effects you you face when you hand that letter over to your kid and that it doesn't make the impact or you feel dumb or, you know, or worse yet, I've written letters and then not handed them to them and they're just sitting there. I'm like, ah, and the time passed or the connection passed. So, uh, I did write it. It's about the same, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know how long his letters were. It's not very long. Minor, not, very, not, not, not very long. From what I understand, it's, uh, it's, it's meant to be kind of direct short and sweet um but he does have the, a, a couple of core topics that he that he go he calls it it's a single document that can be read in one sitting that has everything in it that they need to hear from you so I, I can't imagine that it's you know a 20 page letter I, I I imagine it's maybe like a maybe yeah. a one page maybe a double-sided page letter uh especially if it's handwritten well, I, I know when I started yeah when I started it was like they're not even gonna be able to digest this. Like, I can write more than three sentences than they can. Their physical brains can really even digest. Even like, so I have a the three that got letters or have gotten letters is um, the nine to eight year old, fairly same level of writing there. But the six year old, you can't write at that level of a nine eight year old. I mean, I guess you know his angle when he was telling the, the story about his daughter is that she'll read it later. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. I, 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 Honestly, I don't think I considered that. That's something I took away well from the breakfast is like you could write something now that they read later. It sounds real simple when you say it, but that's not where my brain was. I was trying to formulate it in a way, how can I say I love you in a way that you understand as a six-year-old, in a way you will understand as an eight-year-old, as a nine-year-old. I didn't, I never even saw it as a legacy thing. Like, I didn't see it as, oh, man, these could be the words. I was just trying. I just communicate better through writing than I do in words uh, in the moment. 
So it gives me a chance to kind of think through what I'm actually trying to say. So that's why I started writing them is I couldn't figure out how to resonate. And the other thing is that it gets to walk away with them. So it's like it has more time to resonate. I think what you're trying to say, time it's not turn toable. I think that's what you're trying to say. Return yeah, that's what, that's, that's what he... Oh, yeah, yeah you can return to it. He said the legacy letter is return yeah. toable. Yeah, that's a word I hadn't heard, and yes, I think, that's I think that's I think that was my motivation. But I, you understand you understand what it oh. means, though. Like, kind of like Ted, uh, Ted. Yeah, it was Ted Talky. I don't think that's a a real word either. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I meant. Well, it has the ability, yeah, to draw for someone to return to it. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Is there to be like a a going back and just kind of a sense that way because you're in that awkward moment, and you're like, man, oh yeah, I love you. This is why, and you're like. And it just doesn't come out right. So then it's the what's the what's the end to that? There's like they feel pressure. You know, as they're older, they're gonna feel pressure. These were the, all the thoughts in my head of why I started writing something. Now, whether it I mean, I don't have a teenage kid, so I don't know. You could probably tell me better than anybody, is if you tell your kid I love you and give them a big string of things of why, that's gotta be it feels like an awkward ending. Like what's he supposed to say? Well, man, you know, if you have a really good relationship with him, you can definitely do that. Uh so hopefully you get there. But I think the I think the main thing is, it, yeah, it, well, it can be a lot, right? It can be, it can be a, a whole. He kind of mentioned it too. He's like, "How many guys in here are criers?" And he, I, you could tell, like that's when he got the emo- most emotional when he's talking about reading his letter to his daughter. But I, I think, uh, you know, even for me, um, it would be, it would be pretty hard for me to articulate in a letter like that, uh, read out loud, or in just a like a natural situation. We're driving in the car, and I'm like, "Hey, son." I just want to let you know, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And they just go on for like 20 minutes. They would either, I don't know. My, I feel like my kids absorb more than, um, than we give them credit for. So I'm sure it would resonate because I, I, the reason I say that is, um, I think we have in our, um, intrinsically, we have this desire to feel uh, loved. Like we, we want, um, we want to be loved, but at the same time, I think we're wired specifically for it from a godly perspective. Like I think as a creator, he created us, um, to have that desire for love. And I think our, our natural instinct is to go towards our father for that. And, and I think that's maybe the model. When you think about kids that have had an absence of a father, they, what what typically happens is they look in other places for that affection. They look in other places for that affirmation. And usually it, it, it ends up coming from places you don't want it coming from, right? They they go to a, if it's a girl, they might go to a, a boyfriend and the boyfriend just tells them what they want to hear. They feel love. Next thing you know, they're in a toxic relationship. Or it could be a situation where you're, ch- you're chasing success because uh, when you are successful, maybe that will help. Uh, your father to notice you if he if he maybe didn't or maybe you're just chasing that approval of other people but I think God has ultimately wired us to desire to be loved um, because it's actually pointing us back to him it's 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 pointing us to that desire for for us to pursue him and when we do that that's where we get fulfillment that's where we are confident in Christ in in our relationship and that's the relationship that he desires but I do think that that desire, is just as much a part of us that he's put in there as, as it is for him desiring that relationship with us. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. 
you know, I think that's that's also the benefit of the return toable. Yeah. Is you know, he mentions it when he was struggling, he's going back to that letter. Yeah. And saying, All right. This is, you know, what my dad said about me. You know, here's the picture though that I think is a takeaway for all people listening is when he started talking about going back to the letter and then as it, even as I'm retelling it, it reminds me of the picture of me going back to scriptures that God's okay. given me. Okay. And being like, oh, wow. This is like, it's truly a reminding me of who he said I was, reminding me of what he said he would do, reminding me of the overarching whatever attribute of him at that moment that I am questioning. You know, it's amazing to me that as a human being, we can still, after spending decades in the presence of God, in the love of God, a steady, awesome relationship with God, growing like God, doing incredible things on the inside of us, how humans, we can quickly forget who God is, his faithfulness, and it's like a, a cloud darkens your vision. And all of a sudden you're looking out at impending doom of something or frustrating of something or something that just doesn't ever seem to work right or a choice or insert whatever the, the culture, the enemy, whatever uh, the choice that would be given. And then you go to the word of God. It reminds me of, a, I think it's James, the perfect law of liberty. Or he says, look into the perfect law of liberty. It's like you go back to that scripture and you go, oh, that's right. God is faithful. And your emotions begin to respond to the belief that you're now seeing. Oh, that's right. God has already determined that he would work all things together for my good. Like just tossing stuff out there. Like that, those are the kind of things that reminded me of when he was going back. And I thought that is a neat combo that part of his story is that his dad said, you know, gave him that line at the very end that if you feel unpopular or in the minority, I think is the phrase he uses, in the minority here on earth because of your actions for righteousness or your actions for the kingdom, then you are most definitely the majority in heaven. And that's the my version. But that right measure of being faithful to God and the Bible, you will find yourself in the minority, but you will find yourself in the majority in heaven. Yeah. That, so... Going back to that, that's scripture. I mean, that's his dad putting a spin on the mes message of the gospel. You go back to that, all of a sudden you're reminded very quickly, oh, that's right. The word of God is supreme. My relationship with God is more important than this. Like, those things go back. And in that sense, if you don't have a father that ha has written you a letter and you have no chance of that happening, you actually can go back and, hey, hey, it frustrates me that I don't have better words other than to make this sound cliche. But if you go back to your heavenly father who did write you a letter, who told you a bunch of stories about humanity where he came through, you go back to that. And now ultimately God is fathering you through every earthly father you have anyway, whether it's your biological father, it's the father that, you know, your stepfather, it's a number of men that came along your way and just fathered you all the way through. Like God, the father, 
is fathering you through each of those men. So when you go to the go to scripture, it's like you have that letter. So if you're in that place where you're listening to it and you don't have, I mean, because the challenge with going to a session like that is if you are a dad and you're in the prime spot to write the letter, awesome. You leave feeling motivated, ready to go. But if you, you could actually be that guy. And if you have a father who is not connected to you like that, has no intention of doing that, then now you have another challenge to kind of reconcile inside your soul. And then if you're the dad whose kids are out of the house or beyond, you're at, you're at that place where you're experiencing, did he call it parental disenfranchisement or what did he call that? Did you write that down? Parental, it's some kind of distancing. I don't, I don't, right, yeah. I don't know. Like it very, sound like a very technical term. Like I'd never heard it before. I thought Man, I should look that up, see if that happens. But it's where your kids are alienating you as a father. And I would assume more oh, than just yeah. standard. Yeah, I don't think it's disenfranchisement. I, I think it's estrangement is what he said. Okay, so, man, if you're in that spot, what do you do? Like, ah, uh, you know, you can write a letter, obviously. but Well, he, has, he did mention some examples of where people did and and that yeah. the, the power of that desire to be loved and the power of that desire for that relationship with your with your natural father is what ultimately yeah. drew the the people that he was talking about to actually complete the, the letter. Because if you remember, he talked about one guy, he wrote Dear Son on the letter, and the son was just like, No, I can't I can't yeah. even finish this. And so he had to walk he had to walk away from it. Ultimately he returned to it and and did read the letter and it, it created a bridge. Um but I think that the again, that kind of goes back to that that power of that relationship. And I think that that uh, inert desire that we have for to be loved by our father is it's is something that maybe we just underestimate a lot of times yeah yeah that's a great way to continue it out it's picturing that space when he started talking and he started talking about where he read the letter again and it brought me to that moment. Thought, ah, there it is. And that is a great takeaway for anybody is go read the word of God. What the word of God says about you, says about your situation, says about God. Maybe maybe even better, says about God himself. Because you start to, yeah, you start to, your soul starts to get illuminated and you start to see it the right way. It, it kind of gives me insight of why in the period of time that, Jesus was sent, or God came as Jesus of Nazareth, incarnate, and came back. Those are the times we're writing, you know, it's not quite to the mass-produced writing where we're at, but writing is huge. It's the only way really to communicate, and it has to be just very focused on, you know, the scrutiny to detail that the Jewish religion would go to to make sure they're writing correctly was tremendous. So that makes the word of God return toable. Like we can keep going back to it because somebody wrote it down a long time ago. I think that's a, I mean, it's just kind of, you see, oh, wow, that, that would have been different than Jesus coming here and recording all his podcasts. I mean, I still think that would have been a good podcast to listen to. Uh, I, I, I would, I would subscribe. Creator of the universe. You know, he's like, Hey man, like, and subscribe. I'm like, yes, sir. All right. (laughs) 
He's like, share this, please. Yeah, share. Okay. You can go into all well, the he, world I mean, and yeah, share this. He did technically tell us to do that. It was just like the old school podcast. Like, Jesus is the 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 Joe Rogan of uh, the ADBC. Every bit of the Joe Rogan, for sure. He's uh, <laughs> He wouldn't even have to have guests. That's probably that's probably like underselling it, but a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but true. Joe Rogan fan—that's good to know. Uh, there's sometimes, there's sometimes. Hey, so I I want to I want to kind of circle back to this because you were before we started recording, uh, you were kind of like, man, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this, and you you took one I of am. my bullet you took one of my bullet points, that that bullet oh. point of, uh, yeah, just I I think there was a un preached sermon that 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 happened here and i I think that you tuned into it i don't know that everybody did but just taking into consideration everything that he talked about the relationship of the father and the son and then pull that into the environment like right we're we're in the fellowship hall of a church but we're in a church and i i think that blake for the for what he does i think i think he doesn't go super heavy into the, the spirituality of the relationship, uh, the 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 father God relationship, because a lot of it's just tied to like him and his father and his letter. However, I think in the context and and even some of the people that I talked to after the fact uh, were like, man, there were so many opportunities that he would say something, and it's like, oh, and that's like just the analogy and the and the parallels to God and the Bible and Jesus the Word. He's like, there's, there's like a whole sermon in there too. And I, and I was just like, I absolutely agree. There's definitely a couple times where, uh, he would say something and I'm like, oh man, like this is, this is what God did for us. I mean, you look at the, the written word of the Bible. I, I, I was trying to find a scripture that kind of ties into it. And, uh, it was uh second Timothy three, 14 through 17. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know, they are true for they uh, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes in trusting in Jesus. All the Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us uh, to do what is right. God uses us to uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And every time He kept pointing back to the, a situation where he would go back to his uh, letter from his father that helped him get through that situation or helped to inspire him or whatever else. I'm like, man, if there was only a way that the creator of the universe who desires a relationship <laughs> with us could communicate directly with us because, you know, the the reality is that he's he's a he's a God that leaves his fingerprints on everything, but he's not necessarily a God that gives us a lot of physical manifestations or physical conversations. So it's like, you know, I've I've definitely expressed fr- frustration at times. I'm like, man, when I pray, it'd be so awesome if God would just talk right back to me. Like, if it was a conversation at that point, like that would. I mean, how cool would that be? I think that the more that I've grown in my my walk, I've realized that a lot of times the answers are already in the Bible, and that's where a lot of the times, as you read and pursue the scriptures and and pursue the character of God in the Bible, He will actually respond to you by bringing back to your remembrance some of the things that you've read. And so I think that's where it's like, okay, that dialogue, that that conversation's already there. It's have, have you spent the time to pursue it? And I, I think that's where even when we talk about 
you know, ask and the uh, uh, ask, seek, knock with, with the kind of whole mountain thing. It's that pursuit of Christ. It's 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 going and looking specifically for him. And when you when you look for God, you find him just like in this breakfast where he's he's talking about something really not spiritual at all, just a father son relationship or a father child relationship. And you see God's fingerprints on it. And you're like, man, God, you did that same thing. Like, how cool is that? And so I would encourage anybody who has the time, if you've listened to the the podcast or if you're at the breakfast, I think the first time that you listen to it, you listen to it for exactly what it is. Just listen to it exactly as this is a guy who has a passion about uh, helping men communicate their legacy to their kids. What I would do is encourage you to listen to it a second time on the podcast and listen to it from a, a godly perspective and just and just think about everything that he's saying as if it was not just his father, but if it was God the Father and him encouraging you to what, whatever he's written in his word, whatever he's written in that letter to you and his motivation behind it. And I think that it really kind of opens up the entire conversation and the, in the entire content to where you see that parallel a lot more. And you're like, oh, th- there's a dual message going on here. And uh, I, that's why I'm excited to have a, a platform like this where we can we can highlight both of that. Because, I mean, you came to that conclusion. I came to that conclusion. I don't know that everybody did. But uh, if they didn't, hopefully this is an opportunity for them to sit back and go, oh, man, there, there was so much that, more there. I need to go listen to that again, not just for a motivation to go write a letter to my kids, but maybe putting more value on uh, the Bible, God's intention for writing the Bible, God's intention for calling Jesus the word uh, and, and desiring that relationship. Because even when he was talking about how his dad passed away in that, uh, in that snorkeling accident, that uh, he was still comforted by his dad. He still felt loved by his dad. He's, he, he was still, uh, he, he still got hope from his dad. Um, all of those things were communicated from a letter um, after his father had passed away. And God is doing the exact same thing through the, through the word of God. And through if we will pursue him, uh, I think that you'll see that relationship and that understanding of his character open up a lot more for us. Yeah, it's a good reminder of the eternal nature of words both positive and negative. That if you are listening and you're a dad or just a proverbial dads around the world, yes, write a letter 100%, but also guard your words when you're when you're not writing a letter. You know, think about the things you're saying and what they're communicating to your kids. What maybe your dad said that communicated it to you particularly if you're saying the same thing, which can be a fairly common event. You know, did that communicate to you strength? Did it communicate to you approval, love? Or did you walk away from it and have, you know, a decade of issues to deal with? Or maybe you're still dealing with it because, yeah, dad, maybe dad said I love you. You know, we, we're in that space where our dads had dads who did not say those phrases. But then as a response, we have more dads, probably not the majority of them, we, but we have more dads saying, I love you. But if out of that same mouth is coming negative, condemning words that are just really that dad's effort to try to help you not be like he was, 
those are words that still linger in our household. So then we end up repeating them. And that's something where we've got to make sure we're dealing with them. You know, writing a letter is important, but guarding your words in general, making sure your words reflect the, a healthy heart and a healthy soul that God's done in you. And if they don't, you find yourself spewing out words that are reflective of, you know, the reminds me of the scripture out of the heart, uh, the man speaks, out of the heart, the mouth speaks abundance. Yeah. Into the heart and mouth speaks. Well, I think that's the question you ask. It's the question I ask myself. When I'm, you can be hard on your kids, discipline your kids, talk to them in such a way that's corrective without cutting them, without saying it with a tone that is demeaning or brings them down in value. And when I catch myself using those tones or using those words, I think, oh, okay, so what is it in me that needs to be dealt with? That is creating that, you know, those tones of voice or those different things. I mean, it, it, it could be as simple and as easily resolved as you're tired and you're not thinking about it. Yeah, you're, you spent a couple days with your own self-talk ripping into yourself. So now it's starting to come out. Those are easy things, quick things to fix. Then there's some bigger things. You know, when you go to like books like Wild at Hearts, by John Eldridge and some of the books, uh, Father by God, also by John Eldridge. You know, some of the other books in that space that start to dig and get a little deeper with the things you faced in your own childhood, maybe from your own father, maybe from another individual, maybe from your mom. I mean, there's a number of different ways the enemy can get to you and get you thinking poor words about yourself. When those start spilling out, you're just perpetuating the wrong kind of legacy. So you've got to guard your words. And, you know, one of the things I thought about with the letter is actually because I was not going to the uh, workshop, I thought, man, should I skip this basketball game to go to this workshop? You know, because then it helped me write a letter. And I thought, oh, uh, you know, my presence is better in this situation than a letter. It's not to say I shouldn't write a letter. Obviously, I did. But those are the kind of your, your presence in a space, in an affirming, approving life-giving way, it's going to go really, really far. You know, and just reflecting on the eternal nature you mentioned in our words. That space, you know, that brings another thought. He wrote that letter. And remember he said it was, the letter was almost more for him. You know, a similar phrase or very important for him because you start to really think about different things. You know, he said the phrase, you think about how you want your family to be in five years, 10 years. You start, well, that, of course, turns it in and reflects, especially since it's just you by yourself writing that letter. There's no one to be like, ah, you know, let's get distracted by this or let's focus on this. Like, it's got to be you in that letter. And really, the Holy Spirit talking to you saying, hey, are you reflecting this? These warnings you're giving him, are you uh, abiding them, abiding by them yourself? I tell you one thing he caught on to that I thought was really potent is he mentioned this in some of his work. I'm sure somebody that went to the workshop could speak to this. But the second thing they do, I think, is an apology. Did you catch that? Mm -hmm. Man, I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, he, he, he said the structure of the letter is an apology, memories, I love you, and closing prayer. Okay, so, man, that's huge, that apology. But it's leading with apology. Yeah, like, yeah. you're coming out the blocks just saying, listen, I'm not enough. I'm I've messed this up. I've messed something up. 
Well, it's it's leading with vulnerability, and I know that that's something that that you work on uh, a lot. So it's probably I don't know if that's in your letters, but I encourage you to maybe take a look. Yeah, at that. yeah because you're writing so many letters. Oh, that's right. You're still you still need to write yours. That's right. Okay. All right. Oh uh, man. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, vulnerability. Leading with vulnerability. That's that's not just a technique that softens them up. It's also a good way for you to reflect. To be like, it tears down walls. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Wow, like I really did. I mean. Because for some people, they're really going to have to think hard. Not because they haven't done anything, but because their pride won't allow them to admit that maybe they haven't been the greatest dad or they haven't, they've made some mistakes. They, they, their inner talk wants to follow it up with, yeah, but, okay, I was that way. Yeah, but, well, huh. That's, those are the things that writing a letter by yourself with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to come to grips with. And a lot of times, the yeah, but doesn't go very far. You're just justifying your I, own failure. I think that uh, the other thing is maybe why it was why he made the statement that it was so impactful for him was again when he was in the role of the father talking to the, to his kids. I think that that gave him a better view of God. Oh, I think it maybe opened it opened up his mind a little bit more to understand like okay, like. It's one thing for me to just write this letter and try to express love, but to be in the position of the creator of the universe and everything that knowing everything that God has done and uh, you know sending His only Son to die for our sins and 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 just just that relational side of Him, it I think it just makes it that much more more impactful to to where we have this appreciation and a desire to worship Him, a desire to give Him honor. Because we, as we understand him more, it it, be, it becomes that uh, that deeper relationship to where I'm, there's just gratitude, right? There's gratitude for the grace. There's gratitude for, uh, and there's maybe like a fraction of understanding of the depth of the love, right? Like somebody would say, "I love you a lot." Okay, well, what does that really mean? Does that does that mean that I would, uh, you know, give up? going to something else to come to your basketball game? Yeah, well, that means a lot, but does that really mean a lot? Does, does it mean a much, as much that you would jump in front of a car to save my life? Well, that kind of love is a little bit deeper, right? Or what if it's like I give up my most prized possession so that so that you can be redeemed? I give, I give up my only, my only son to, to, to die for you, to die for your sins so that you can come back into a relationship with me. Like, that that depth of love I don't understand, like because I've, I've never had to relate to that. I've I've had to relate to other types of sacrifices, but no sacrifice that great. And so I think that again, it just gives you a slightly bigger glimpse of who God is. And I think as that happens, your love grows for Him, and at the same time, it also puts us in the position where it's like, okay, uh. How do how do I model that? Like if I if I'm a Christ follower and I desire a relationship with you, one of the things that you want me to do is to model your love to other people. Well, it's it's just this it's this deep love that I don't understand. I mean, I I think I've mentioned it before. Like while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And being in that situation, God God is God is Son hanging on the cross, and we are in a situation where He has these people, His created beings. Uh, killing him. They're they are essentially 
crucifying him. They, they're just expressing hate to him. They're mocking him. They're doing all these things. And yet through all that, he, he still loved us. He was willing to do that to the extent that he was so focused on fulfilling prophecy and so focused on completing everything the way that it was supposed to be that he, that he did everything that needed to happen and finally said it was finished and it was done. He didn't even want to do it. And we know that he didn't want to do it, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. And again, just all of that modeling kind of points back to our relationship with him, the, the, the deep and desire that of, of love that he has for us. And I, I think for us on the other side, just the gratitude that we get to be in that situation. I, I look at a couple of the points that you kind of said earlier, and I want to put a little bit of an exclamation point on them. One of them is just the, the value of time, the importance of time, because the time to go to that basketball game, that's really important. The time to, to write a letter and communicating that through writing a letter, like just, I, I think that's probably the biggest hug that his dad could have given him after the events that happened was that letter because it was like, man, my, my dad took the time to say that I love you. There was no question. There was no doubt. It wasn't a, uh, I'm pretty sure my dad loved me. Uh, my dad wasn't really good at communicating it. It was, uh, no, here it is in black and white on paper. My dad loves me. And so much so that like he even communicated that other people that have had those experiences or had a similar type of letter. I mean, there was no question. Like he said, they he called it a special club. It was like the letter club to where, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a matter of, I think maybe my dad wrote me a letter. It was a no, I definitely remember. And it, and it made a huge impact. But I think that importance of time is something that transcends the letter. The letter and that expression of time is an important element. But I think to your point earlier, just the amount of time that we can spend with our kids. I, I think a lot of us, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, are, are more naturally selfish. We would rather just go and detox and just, you know, zone out and do, do kind of whatever we want to do. We don't necessarily, like, we don't necessarily want to just sit there and watch our kids all the time. Um, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, just go play, just go have a good time. Or, oh, I got to take them to practice. Oh, I got to go you know, do this for them. And, and I got to sit there and, and wait. Right. But I think for the kid, I mean, you, sh I'm sure you've seen uh, countless examples of the kid is, you know, whether they're on the field or on stage for a performance and they're just searching the crowd and all they're doing is looking for their father or they're looking for their mother, they're looking for their parent. And, and they're looking for that, that one person in the crowd that they're doing that whole thing for. If that person's not there, that completely deflates them. It takes all the energy out of them. But man, that that's that importance of, of time. Is it is it difficult to do? No. Is it difficult to stay engaged and to have those conversations and 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 take the time to be with your kids? It's a sacrifice for sure. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you're not gonna wish, you know, later in life as as your life begins to wind down, I wish I'd spent more time on social media. I wish I'd spent more time golfing by myself. It's more of a I wish I'd spent more time doing these things with my kids or investing in my kids or, or, or my family or, or, or whoever else. So just really puts a, 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 a stamp on the importance of time. Uh, so much so that a letter itself can, can be really, really impactful. But I, I think beyond that, the presence of knowing that we can be there for our kids right now, like tomorrow's not guaranteed, but I can take that time and, and spend that time. And I think that the letter is not to sound controversial, but it's like the bare minimum. Like, I, I think that, uh, you know, you, if you write, if you just write a letter and then you disappear, 
that's not enough. We we need to, especially as a brotherhood, in, to encourage each other to lead by example, and and definitely take the time to do a letter. I think that's a it's a wonderful idea, but I think as fathers and, and in the role that we're in, uh, we need to make sure that we are doing well and and beyond that to spend time with our with our kids because um, it's that heart to heart. And the other thing is is spend the time, but also speak up. And I, I think the other part of that is if you're thinking it, say it. Um, if it's, if you're thinking, man, I really enjoy spending time with you, say it. If you think, man, I love, I love doing this with you. Or I love watching you, um, grow in this sport, or I love that, uh, you know, I told my son, uh, he had a wrestling match and I was just like, man, when you won that match and you got up and you were all jacked up and you were flexing and yelling, I was like, man, I saw a lion inside of you. I saw, I saw that just burst out of you. And I thought, I, I was like, that's why I love watching you wrestle. That's why I love watching you do those things because I'm literally watching you grow in your strength and grow uh, in your confidence and how awesome that is. And he looked at me and he was like, a lion, what are you talking about, dad? But I'm hopeful that that like just planted a seed in him to where he's like, man, my dad sees me as a lion. He sees me as a warrior. He sees me as this guy who's going to go out and conquer. Then that gives him the confidence to go take bigger risks, to go out there and, and pursue you know, what God has for him as opposed to like, oh man, I'm not sure if I should do this. It's like, no, I'm going to speak those words into you now because I know that later on, that's going to be the foundation for your courage. That's going to be the foundation for you stepping out and and doing big and great things. So uh, yeah, the, the letter is is the bare minimum, but I think it's a really important first step. And I think that if we can do that and encourage our brotherhood to get engaged and write that letter, even if it's not a perfect letter, even if your kid's six months old, I think it's still worth it. And there's no rule that says you you can't rewrite the letter. So, I mean, let's not look so strictly at it. So I, I would say if you're, if my kids got four letters from me, each for, for different phases of life and whatever else, that's still a win. I'm not, I'm not screwing up. I mean, I, I can basically say, um, uh, Hey man, th- that letter was for for you as as I'm in my 40s and you're in your teens, and uh, I write another letter to you when you're in your 20s and I'm in my 50s, and my perspective is going to be a little bit different. My 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 wisdom is going to be a little different, and maybe I need to apologize more. Maybe there's a couple other things that I screwed up that I need to apologize for. So I, I think taking the time to do that and, and sending those things and just realizing that. You know the letter's great. It's it it's it's awesome that Blake's out there uh, encouraging guys to do that because it definitely got me thinking, and I know it got you thinking, and I think it got a lot of the guys in the room thinking, hey, this is something really important that I need to do. And just to build on top of that, from from where we sit today, let's amplify that and say, hey, as as brothers, uh, as leaders, as men, as fathers, let's take the letter as inspiration to do more, not to do the bare minimum. Great perspective. The thought that came to my mind when you were listing off things that were acts of unselfishness uh, on your slow progression to obviously God sending his own, own son is I thought one of the best acts of unselfishness is taking your first 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and hanging out with your family, hanging out with your kids. You mentioned it so easy to want to just go detox and get tired of watching this or that, or but it actually takes a strong it seems on paper and talking about it like a very easy deal oh five ten minutes oh yeah i could do that but when you come face to face with it and you walk in and all you want to do is sit down or all you want to do is something else and now your kid is over there and 
you know, the, the picture that may get painted here is he's asking for your time, but a lot of times they're not, they're just out there hanging out. So it makes it super easy to be like, ah, oh, okay, I'll just chill. They're obviously having a good time. They're, they're on the trampoline and they're doing this or they're doing that. But it takes an act of unselfishness to go out there and engage, be like, hey, and just jump in, mistakes and all, goofiness and all, and get get involved in their life. And it may just be five, ten minutes, but five, ten minutes a day makes a huge difference over time. Or at least it seems to. You know, I, I'm actually, if I'm having to be uh, straight up with people, I'm on the front end of that, banking on that some investment on time early shows up later. You know, it's so it's, you know, you talk about it and I, and I can say truthfully, the people listening, I see Evan, the Evan, the fruit of his interacting with his kids. And there's a lot of evidence that he's spending time with them. There's a lot of evidence that a lot of evidence. I see what you did there. Nice. Ah, look at that. Look at that. Evidence. I'm, I'm sharper than I know. But yeah, there's a lot of evidence that shows, hey, this guy's putting the 5, 10 minutes in, 15 minutes. You know, you mentioned practices. Those are longer. But those things come because you start out with the first few minutes. And so I think if there's one small step anybody can make in this, in response to this, is yes, write the letter. I think writing the letter, if you're not spending that time, you will have a moment inside of the time it takes to write that letter to be like, oh my gosh, I'm letting it pass by. It's just it's just running right past me and I am not investing. The, let that emotional motivation fuel you to when you come home, when you got time on Saturdays, when you can choose golf or hobby or kids, take the kids option. Get in there, get engaged, do the awkward thing of trying to be a dad, and go do it. It will be worth it in the long run. It's actually worth it in the short run because the value and impact you get, satisfaction you walk through with a relationship, far outweighs your best golf score, far outweighs your best whatever. I, I will say this, um, if I'm being truly vulnerable, there's been many a times when I've been in those situations and I'm like, God, please let this phase go by quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yep. <laughs> but at the same time, like looking back at it, it's not that, it wasn't that big a deal. But in the moment, I was like, oh, like diapers phase. This is the worst. I'm like, I can't wait till my kids aren't in diapers anymore. And now that my kids are not in diapers, they're teenagers. And I'm looking back at some of the videos of them, like how they talked and how they interacted and how we played with them and everything else. And I'm just like, it's gone. Like that, that whole, that whole uh, phase of life is gone. And I, here I was on the other side of it, wishing it away because I didn't like changing diapers and I didn't like buckling kids in seatbelts and carrying around baby carriers. But those are the things that you look at and you go, man, I, I just want this phase to be over with. I'd, I'd love for my kids to be self-sufficient. And then next thing you know, they're gone. Next thing you know, they're, I mean, I got a kid that's going to be driving soon. And so it's just like, I, I got I to gotta hustle and make sure that I continue to invest in them because he can just disappear now. And, and well, as long as there's gas in the car. So I guess I have a little bit of control still, but uh, he, could, he could just drive off and disappear, go to a friend's house, and I won't see him all day. And so now, 
now I have to I have to really be intentional with that stuff. But there's still times that you can you can be intentional and spend time with them and speak into them. And how many car rides are, are one thing. Or uh, man, I, I'll say this: there are some things like guys like shoulder to shoulder time. Kids are the same way. So if it's fishing, if it's playing golf with them, if it's going in the yard and throwing a football, throwing a baseball, you know, any of that stuff that you can go out there and do with them. Uh, I mean, play video games with your kids. You know, there's, there's definitely like kids still like Mario Kart and uh, Mario Kart was around when I was a kid. So there's, there's, there's things that you can do together and enjoy that. And then there's moments that'll pop up and you'll, you'll know. Um, but like I said, when you think it, say it. And if you do that, you'll, you'll find that you're making a lot of deposits into them that, that, that become the, the, the foundation for your relationship in the future, because they know my dad cares because I, kn- I know he's told me it. My dad, my dad believes in me. My dad loves me. My dad cares for me. My dad does all those things. And that, that's what, that's what you want. If they know that you're on their side and that they have your approval, they're going to go out there and be world changers. And that's what we want. We don't want somebody that's going to fail to launch, be living in my house in their late thirties. And, uh, you know, whatever else comes with that. Nobody wants that. But I think the big thing right now is make sure that you recognize the importance of the time, no matter what phase. I mean, Blake even talked about writing a letter. He compared it to planting a tree. The best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The next best day is right now. And I I think that's, I think that's definitely wisdom for for this situation, whether it's writing the letter, you can definitely apply it to writing the letter, but I would say to spending time with your kids. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm challenged, I'm motivated, I'm excited, and uh, the really good news is we get to jump right into tomorrow morning with uh, Blake Zimmerman. That one's going to be another awesome one. And uh, even though we were a little confused if we would have something to talk about with this, I mean, we're almost at an hour again. So uh, I think no matter what, we can always find something to talk about. If not, you know, we can make a bunch of Cowboys and, and Texas Longhorn jokes to, to get us through yeah. this. So. Hey man, it's tough to do. It's tough to do, you know. But uh, I get it. It's when you're. How many national championships you guys got? One. I know of one for sure. So there you go. It's better than Oklahoma State. So you got that going for you. Current football. Are you guys doing right now? Uh, all right. Well, brothers, remember honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast.